This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. Bible says in Luke 5, verse 36, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them, and he said, No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also the piece that has taken out of the new does not match the old. And I have seamstresses in here. My wife is a seamstress. My uh, sister-in-law sitting on the second row is a seamstress. Some of you other ladies and or gentlemen may be seamstresses in here, and you know that that is absolutely the truth. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must, everyone say must, must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. So we want to stop right there and it's pretty obvious I don't have to get into a lot of explanation about what this is trying to tell us here. But it's really telling us that if we want to see something new, we're going to have to offer something that we haven't offered before. And the truth is we all have it. We all have parts of our lives that we've guarded, we've shielded, we've kept, we've hidden, we've protected. Maybe we've been a little afraid to let them be brought up to the forefront. But whatever the case may be, if we want God to put something new into our lives this year, We're going to have to begin really early in the year saying, God, I'm taking a step forward. I've never taken before. Maybe in your prayer life, maybe in the way you read your Bible, maybe in whatever, whatever, we could fill the blank in with a lot of things. Can you say amen? Amen. So God is desiring that for our lives. So in praying about this, uh, Pastor Alan Youngblood from Faith Outreach Church of Central Florida, he and I were together, our families were together this week, and we had some time to talk about our sermons, and we decided to merge them. I had the core and the outline of this the Lord had given to me, and he had some thoughts, and we got together, and he preached some of this, I know, this year, uh, 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 this morning, a little bit earlier, because they're on Eastern time, they're ahead of us. And so I want to bring some of it to you today, but here's some things that I believe about this year that are really important. Number one, we have to get things right this year. We got to get some things in order this year. God cannot bless chaos. God, the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. And if you have a lot of chaos and confusion around you, and especially if it's self-perpetuated, it's time to do some things to get some of that, pull that back. Amen. This is the year. Everyone say, this is the year to get things right. Now, if you've been a husband but not a good husband, this is the year to become a good husband. Amen. If you've been an employee but not a good employee, this is the year to be a good employee. You need to get some things right. Get them in order. God will not bless chaos. God will not bless confusion. Amen. Uh, something else about this year, when you walk, whoever you walk with, agree with, or spend time with, is going to be of the utmost importance. And I'm going to give you some things in a little while to write down, and some of these will be similar to this, but you need to be very careful who you are actually walking with. What does that mean? That means in agreement with. That means choosing to be putting your time with them and choosing to do the things they do. It's going to be really important this year. I think it's going to be more important than ever. You got to be careful. I've told you for months, quit listening to the news. MSNBC, Fox News are not the voices of God. There are the voices of human beings that have very slanted opinions. And if you listen long enough, they will drag you one way or the other. And you'll be mad at a lot of people. And you won't even hear the voice of God. God could speak to you, but you'll filter it through that. And you don't need to filter it through that. You need to filter everything in your life through this. Amen. This year is going to also be, it'll be about knowing God is with you when you do what he tells you to do. I believe this year when you obey God, you're going to see some quick results. 
I am looking for, the word God gave me for 2022 is the word amazing. Everybody say amazing. amazing. Oh, I think we're going to see some amazing things this year. You say, well, what about the chaos outside and what about the pandemic? I actually believe the pandemic is going to take a pretty good turn here in just not too very long, three or four months. I really do. I mean, I believe that with all of my heart. I believe in it. And, you know, even the scientists now, of course, you, can't, you don't know you can trust anymore because, again, when people get their, their, their opinions involved in things, you don't know if you're getting truth or you're just getting, you know, their filtered opinion. But, uh, I mean, they're even saying some of the scientists, I actually tr trust some outside the countries more than some within now, but, but some of the scientists in South Africa are saying that this latest uh, Omicron, that, that actually, that it's milder and it's causing there to be a defense now built up against the stronger variations. Wouldn't it be nice if that, that would be true and we could finally see the eradication, the evaporation, and the dissipation of this virus? That is what I am believing God for. This year, everybody say this year. It's taken enough lives, it's hurt enough people, it's caused enough sorrow on, on our planet and it's time for us to collectively come together as a house and the people of God and begin to pray against that thing and begin to see the breakthrough. Amen. Uh, I also believe this is going to be a year where God is going to bring some things back up in your life that in time past were a blessing. So maybe some things that you went through a season and God breathed on it and he blessed it and now you think it's gone forever. But I actually believe some of those things are going to come up again this year. I'm just telling you what I see as your pastor and what I hear from God and when I spend time in my prayer closet, which is every day, that I believe that this is what God is saying. So don't give up on some things that in the past God was blessing, but maybe it seemed like they ran out. But I believe some, there's going to be some reviving going on this year, some restoration going on this year. Can you shout amen? And that leads me to the next point. It'll be a time when God releases some new things also that will be a blessing in your life for the first time. Some of you by the end of this year are going to say, for the first time in 2022, I got to do this. For the first time in 2022, I got a big promotion. For the first time in 2022, our family finally quit fighting one another. First time in 2022, I was healthier than I've ever been in my life. First time in 2020, I launched my business in 2022, and my goodness, I'll never forget it. Now, you got to understand, these are the things I'm hearing from God. Will it happen for everyone? No, not if you're the person that has to get 30 years of experience one year at a time over and over and over. Not if you're the one that makes the resolutions and hides them on your desk and doesn't find them the next year. I heard a pastor say this morning, I thought it was a great way that he said it. He said, we need more than resolutions. He said, resolutions are usually something that are written. And that's a cool thing. We have resolutions that we write sometimes that when someone passes, if the family asks for a resolution, we'll give a church resolution. It's a written thing and it's a nice thing. It's a, it's a tribute. It's a very nice thing. I have some things on my wall back there. The, the mayor's given a resolution before for our church and those are wonderful things. But for this year, you need, I like what he said. He said, there's a difference between resolutions and goals. He said, a resolution, you can write it and forget it, but a goal is something that you set before you and you put everything you have into reaching the goal. This year, you need to set some goals. Everyone say goals, not just resolutions. I tell you what I'm going to say. I take out six dogs every morning, y'all. I'm all, I, listen, man, by the time I go through praying and exercising, which I do every single day, every single day, every single day, I do both of those things every single day. Before I get, and after I get those two things done, I take out six dogs and I know what I'm going to see for the next month. Now, in my neighborhoods like yours, we have a lot of, how many of you have some walkers and runners in your neighborhood? You see them. And you've seen some of them. How many of you have been living there for more than a couple years and you've seen the same people for years? But I can go ahead and tell you what's going to happen for the next month. You're going to see somebody you've never seen and they're going to have their headband on and their brand new, you know, jogging outfit and they're going to have their new earbuds in and they're going to be out there just strutting along, just huffing and puffing and whoa, but man, I've never seen them before. And then about three days later, you'll see them. And then about five days later, you'll see them. And about seven days later, you'll see them and you'll never see them again. Because they made their resolution, but they didn't have a goal. And they've already, by the end of January, they're out. <laughs> they're already tapped out and they're back, at, they're back at home eating potato chips with a channel changer on the couch. They don't even know where their jogging outfit is anymore because they don't want to put it on because it won't fit. Now, don't look at anybody in this house. And if you're at home, don't look at anybody there on the couch with you either. Amen. 
Solomon, Song of Solomon 7.13 says this. Listen to this really interesting verse. Pleasant fruits, everyone say pleasant. Pleasant fruits new and old which I have, t which I have laid up for you. So God, again, this follows what he's saying to me. God said, I have some things laid up for you. Some are going to be brand new that you've never experienced before. And some are going to be some old things that I'm going to bring back up for you. God says, I have them, I have them in store for you. They're actually laid up for you, but you're going to have to do some things to get there. Can you shout amen? amen. 2022, the number two, by the way, I love studying numbers. I'm a numbers kind of guy. Pastor Ginger will tell you when we go to the store to get things, she does not need a calculator. I'm not bragging. I can't do this in everything. I'm not, I'm not gifted in a lot of other areas, but in numbers, she knows this. I, she, she'll throw numbers at me, 74, 63. This is $1.79. This is 462. By the time we get to check out, I'll tell her what it is. She'll go, I'll say, well, I, ju I just see numbers. I see numbers in my head. I can see numbers. It's something I've been able to do. So I love numbers and I study them in the Bible. And the Bible must be, numbers must be important in the Bible because it has a whole book called Numbers. Numbers, <laughs> numbers are important to God. So the number two in scripture it has a lot of things. I'll only throw a, uh, throw a couple of them at you today. It conveys the meaning of a union. So this would be like a man and a woman. This would be like a marriage. It's a union. Two, it takes two to make a union. You can't be in union by yourself. No man is an island. A lot of people try to be. You can try to be a soloist your whole life, and I'm not saying you can't be a solo singer or whatever, but you know what I'm talking about. If you're going to get to where you need to be or you want to be or the goals that you have or God has for you, you're going to at some point going to have to be in union. Some people disagree with themselves. We used to, we used to have somebody say, man, that guy fights himself all the time. He argues with himself all the time. Well, you can't be that way. Amen. But in the Bible, it, it uh, talks about a union. You know, one can put 1,000 to flight, but how many can put 10,000 to flight? So exponentially, when you add another person and get an agreement, things get stronger. I mean, exponentially. Not just 100%, but exponentially. Can you shout amen? Uh, and of course, the union, of course, the Bible talks about in the New Testament, about the union between Christ and the church. That's two. Christ being the head, we're the body, and we become one. You cannot be the church without Christ. You cannot be. You have to have Christ to be part of his church. And I know the world preaches there's a lot of ways to God, but the Bible's very clear. There's only one way. It is not Buddha, it's not Muhammad, it's not anybody else. I know it sounds wonderful and sweet and warm and fuzzy, and it makes us all want to get hot chocolate and coloring books and rub a puppy to think that we can all go to heaven. But the Bible says there's one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. He said, no man. He said, no man can come to the Father but by me. I didn't write that, but I do believe it. And I do preach it. And like Pastor Ginger said, now, it is unpopular in some places to say that because then immediately, you know, the people out here want to attack what you say. I don't care about that anymore. Uh, you been, how many of you have been coming to this church for a few years? Well, I've been coming longer than you. I've been here since August the 10th, 1989, all 33 and a half years I've been here at this church or wherever the buildings were in the past. And I've just told you folks, as I get older, I'm getting bolder. And you know, I'm not mean. I'm, I love everybody. I'll be the, I, I love everybody. I love being with people. I love, I love hanging out. I love just making, my job is to hopefully lift a burden off of you, but I'm not going to compromise to do it. Amen. Amen. So the Bible is divided into two different covenants. There is the Old Covenant or the Old Testament or the New Testament. And some people will tell you today you don't need the Old Testament, but you do. The Bible says there are examples there for our learning. We see the shadows and the foreshadows of Jesus in every book. We see the promises and the prophecies of our God in every book. And the Bible says all Scripture, all Scripture, all Scripture is given by God and is profitable. So we need both the Old and the New Testament. Are you a New Testament church? Yes. Are you an Old Testament church? Yes. We are a Bible church. We want both. Amen. And then we'll just finish with this. And the first, the Bible says there was a man named Adam. 
Okay, he's called, he was called the first man, talking about human on this planet. But in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 21, you don't need to go there. And 22, and you can read probably verses like 45 through 49. It says there was the first Adam, but then there was the second Adam, or the last Adam. It's talking about Jesus. Thank God there was the second one. Thank God there was the second one. Can you shout amen? So God desires something new for all of us in this calendar year of 2022. We do not want to make another lap around the mountain. We do not want to repeat the same things that we did last year. I know this as your pastor. For some of you, 2021 was the year from hell. I know that. I mean, we're dealing with, of course, our our sweet family over here, but a lot of you, 2021 was not your great year. Some of you, on the other hand, had a pretty decent year. Some of you financially got blessed last year. Some of you were healthy and, and some things happened and you had some breakthroughs and so on and so forth. But you know, God loves to do more than you've ever seen before. God is the God of more. He is El Shaddai. El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. God is extravagant in the way he does things. We are, we've been taught as church people to take a little drip and a little drop in a, a, of God and, and, and think that that's all, but that's just the beginning of what God wants for us. Amen. You know, when, when David was out there on that hill and, and his, his brothers were over here, they didn't know what he was doing. And when he killed the lion, that was not all God had. God said, you killed the lion, but you're going to also kill the bear. No, oh, by the way, you're going to kill the most fierce warrior that's ever been on this planet. You're going to kill him, knock him down. You're going to take his place. You're going to be the champion and you're going to be king. Any ceiling you have on your life is not one that God put there. It's one that you or people around you have put there. Any ceiling. You know, when I started years ago, the Lord told me to start William Luffin Ministries. I did not want to do it. I don't like my name on anything. I didn't even want my picture on the billboard out there. I fought against it. Man, I don't want that. I don't need all that. It's okay. It's not about me. It's all that. But the Lord said, now, hold on a minute, son. I mean, I, I'm also your promoter too. Let me put some stuff in you. And, and then when I said, okay, I'll do WLM. I don't want to, but I will. All of a sudden now I've written 11 books. Now, 12 years ago, I didn't know I had 11 books in me, but God did. And I'm writing on 11 more right now as I'm here today. You know, now it's not enough that I write one. God has me start 10 or 11. Now I've really got my hands full. But I'm trying to say to you that there are things in you that you don't even know, that haven't even been scratched yet. The surface has not even been unearthed yet. And it's in everybody. God has big plans for you. Say it with me. God has big plans for me. He really does. So as we launch into 2022, uh, it's, it's time for us to quit resisting the Holy Spirit and start resisting sin. We're resisting the wrong thing. And we got too many preachers and skinny jeans and flannel shirts that won't actually open a Bible. All they want to do is skits and funny stories and make you feel good that won't challenge you in the way you're walking with God. Now, I'm not calling any names and I'm not being mean, but I am telling you that the purpose of the man of God is to bring the word of God. Amen. And folks, we need to quit resisting the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads us into the truth. That tells us when we do something wrong. He brings, we, oh my Lord, we don't want, we don't want to use this word anymore. He brings <clears throat> conviction. Amen. If we say something wrong, if we do something wrong, and we need the Holy Spirit We need to not resist him, but we do need to resist sin. And if you are resisting the Holy Spirit, you will not resist sin. Suddenly you'll find a way to make sin okay. You'll find a way to make sin acceptable when the whole time God is trying to... See, God isn't trying to keep you from having fun. He's trying to keep you from dying. He's trying to get you into your purpose into your plan and your dream and, 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 you know, to what he has for you. Amen. I, I've been a Christian now 45 years. I became a Christian, as I told you earlier, and everybody's heard my story, you know, a thousand, five thousand times, some of you. Uh, but being a young man and becoming a Christian in the mid seventies at 17 was very unpopular, just like it is today. You know, it's never really popular to become a Christian. I, I, I'm not talking about a Christian by word. I'm talking about a Christian by your lifestyle. 
A lot of people call you a Christian while they're toasting their beer and their wine and everything else they do and while they're secretly sleeping with the person next door. And they're, but they're a Christian because they went to church Sunday and they have a Bible. Well, there are Bibles all over every, and even though unfortunately a lot of the, whatever you want to call them, uh, have fought to take Bibles out of the hotels. I've been in quite a few hotels in my life with my wife and I've been in there and we've looked and I always, one of the first things I do when I go into a hotel is I go to that little nightstand to see if they have a Bible. And it's not that I don't have one, I do. Before I leave, I go to Romans 10, 9 through 13 and I circle them in that Bible and I put a little money there as a bookmark and let it stick out a little. And I put a little note there saying, this is only the first of many blessings you will receive if you choose to follow the Lord. What am I saying to you though? There are a lot of people that do a lot of bad things with a Bible right there on the nightstand. <laughs> that doesn't make them a Christian. And you know, and I know it'd be easier for me in the beginning of the year to be very, uh, I don't know, light, I guess, preach, you know, message light today and not, not really be too hard hitting because, you know, we want to all feel good as we move into the next part of this year. But, but again, my job is to get you to the next level. Amen. Uh, listen to what Ezekiel 18.31 says from the New Living Translation. What an incredible verse this is. Ezekiel 18.31 says, Put all your rebellion behind you. How much? Wow. Now, all of us would love to think that we are not rebellious, but come on. You know you better than, than anybody. How many things do you push back on when you really know on the inside you really shouldn't? That's called rebellion. It says, put all your rebellion behind you and find yourself a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? So it's a pretty sobering verse here saying that rebellion can really cause a lot of calamity in your life. And it says the only way you're going to find yourself a new heart, a new spirit, you've got to push back against rebellion. Again, you, we've got to quit resisting the Holy Spirit and start resisting the sin. And, and don't worry about what your other friends say is okay. Well, I, I go to some of some of church and they don't ever say anything about that. And I, a church I go to, pastor didn't ever say anything bad about that. Okay, that's fine. But do you want to have 30 years of experience one year at a time? Or would you rather move on into the new things that God has and move on into the new places that God has? I, I could never have imagined when I became a Christian at 17 that I would be on a stage before people and I, you know, preached to thousands here and preached to uh, you know, overseas and all that kind of stuff. And that's not all bragging. I'm just telling you so you, I can qualify what I'm about to say. But I could never have seen myself being able to do that. At 17, I was a high school dropout. At 17, I was already married. Married at 16, can you believe that? Out of the will of God. At 17, I had no money. At 17, I had a bad job. At 17, I had, I had, I had nothing. And I went to an altar. I prayed a simple prayer. But I had enough nerve to believe this Bible. But immediately, I let the Holy Spirit begin to change me. And there were things when I left there that day, I knew I could not continue to do that I used to do. And I didn't have a lot of support around me. Nobody else in my family, the house I was living in at that time, not a lot of them were on fire Christians. My, my stepfather had invited me to church, but Steve was never uh, a Christian of, that had a lot of depth. I'll say it that way, my stepfather. Thank God he invited me though. And uh, so, but I knew this. I mean, I, it just hit me like, you know, if I'm going to call myself a Christian, I kind of think I ought to be Christ-like. And I didn't know, I was a, I was a little, you know, nerdy dropout kid, but, but it did, I mean, if I'm going to, if I'm going to say I'm a Christian, I just put his name on the line, by putting myself, putting his name with me. So I, there's some things I really ought to consider that I better get right. Some of it, the Holy Spirit delivered me from, and some of it, I just stopped doing. Well, I've had people go, well, when the Holy Spirit delivers me from that, I'll give it right up. Well, you might die with that. Because maybe he won't. Maybe you're going to have to lay it down. Maybe you're going to have to understand the significance of it. The Bible says sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. death. Scripture, James, book of James right there. Amen. So, again, 
Here we are in this new year, God's wanting to do something really, really new. And I'm excited about what God has for this year. Can you say amen? I'm going to give you some things to write down. I won't spend a lot of time and maybe next week we'll just take these seven things and we'll break them down uh, for about five minutes each and we'll let that be what we'll call the sermon next week. But I at least want to put them in your hands so it gives you something to work with. Um, so I'm going to give you some things that we have to get right in 2022. Now, as a caveat to that, uh, back in 2019, the Lord gave me a version of these. And when I saw them, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, Lord, those things are still good for today. So he's given me like a, I would call it a revised version of that for this year here. So seven things we have to get right in 2022. Number one is forgiveness. Everyone say forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't negotiable. When it comes to God, it's not negotiable, it's necessary. Now, I wrote a whole book on it. Most of you know I have my little book. As a matter of fact, I see a copy back here. Isn't that convenient? You can get your brand new copy today at faithirish.org. That's William Lumpen's brand new book on the art of forgiveness. Get your copy today. Get one for a friend. No, I'm just kidding. That's my commercial. But I wrote a book on this, and I learned a long time ago that you had to learn to forgive. Um, I always use, probably the best example for me would be, I was raised by a really evil man. He was not there. The man who was my biological father. I can't call him much more than that. He's long since died many, many, many years ago. And uh, he was an evil man. He did not provide for our household. He was out of that household most of my life. He would come and go. He was unfaithful to everyone. He never married my mother. I was born out of wedlock in 1958. Uh, and, but thank God, God had a plan. That's why every baby deserves to be born because God had a plan. I always will quote Ronald Reagan on this every time. Well, I have noticed that everybody who's against abortion has been born. So anyway, my mom had me. She was 43 and I was the last of nine children and she was poorer than dirt and she had a man that didn't love her who was 23 that fathered me and I was born into that situation. He was a horrible father, horrible example. He didn't teach me anything about manhood. He taught me nothing about how to be a, a young man, a male, nothing. Every example he had was horrifying and horrible. So when I became a young man in my teen years, he had long since left and was gone out of my life. I became a Christian. One of the things God said to me early on is you've got to forgive him. You got to forgive him. And I'm like, but what he did wasn't right. God said, that is not the issue. You have got to forgive him. And here's what the Lord said. I'll be your father and I'll be a better father than you will ever find on this planet. But I can't be if you don't forgive that father. That's what he said to me. So I had to get my Bible out. I broke it open. I read some scriptures and boy, there are a lot of scriptures about forgiveness. And I realized then that I had to get this out of my heart. I had to once and for all forgive him and release him. And I have. I, I talked to him two weeks before he died. I told him I was glad that he, he, he said he had said a sinner's prayer and he was going to go to heaven. I prayed that he did and he made it. And I said, look, he said, I apologize for not. And I said, look, you know, I said, that was forgiven years ago. I saw Pastor Ginger just three years ago sitting on a porch in another city forgive someone for horrible things. And the person said, can you forgive me? And I loved her. She said, I did that years ago. Amen. And you know why that, you know why she's able to sit on that chair today and be in here and be the first lady of the house? It's because she learned how to forgive. You, listen to me. I, I wrote this in such little letters up here that I don't know if I'm going to be able to read it correctly, but I'm going to try. Faith cannot be released until forgiveness is given. I'm going to say it again. Faith cannot be released until forgiveness is given. We have scripture for that. You just write it down. We'll, we'll read them next week. But Mark, uh, the famous chapter of Mark 11, 24 through 26 tells you this. It's connected to your prayers. It's connected to your, you're not moving any mountains as long as you have unforgiveness. And it'll make you think that God is a liar, that he's not a miracle worker, that he doesn't do the impossible, that God doesn't do the miraculous because I prayed God. Okay, but wait a minute now. There's some things you still had to do. Praying was part of it. But the Bible says when you stand praying, forgive. Amen. Number two, uh, some things to write down here. We'll go through this list pretty quickly. Are you here? GP, are you here? Are you ready for some new things? All right. 
I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I, I, I'm like the staple singers with Mavis. I'm going to help you. I'm gonna, I'll take you there. I'll help you get there. Amen. We'll go together. Right? All right. Mm. I'm hearing it in my head right now. Sorry. So number two, toxic relationships have to be re-evaluated. Now, some of you have been in toxic relationships long enough. I'm not, we're not talking about divorcing your spouse here. This is not what we're talking about. You're going to have to go before God. That is, you'll never hear this church tell you to divorce your spouse ever, ever. Sometimes it has been the right move for people. I have gone through this horrible thing in my life when I didn't know God as a little punky kid years back. But I'm just telling you that there are some toxic relationships you need to reevaluate. Can you shout amen? Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs 22, 25. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people. Now, that may be tough on some of you. Did you hear that? Man, it got quiet. Somebody's about to get mad in here now. How about 1 Corinthians 15, 33? Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. So those are just a couple of things. Um, so we cannot, we cannot continue to nurture toxic relationships. You just can't do it. The toxicity of it will, will eventually get to you. It'll get into your, into your life and it'll affect you and it'll stunt you. I didn't say you couldn't pray for them. I, can't, I didn't say from a distance you couldn't do something, but you just can't be in a close relationship like that. Now, we all know this. We see it in this church. We have these, like I, I've used this analogy recently, I know. We'll have these little kids, they'll come in, and, and I'll dedicate them up here, and there'll be a baby, newborn baby, and I, and I dedicate them. I'm, the, 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 the family's here, the, the, the parents, they, give, they have the birth, the baby, they bring it up, we dedicate it. The baby grows up a little bit, we, we baptize them in water, they go into the children's church, they love Jesus, they love Jesus, they go over, they grow a little bit more, and, and they love Jesus, and they love Jesus, and they become a teenager, and then they befriend a toxic person, and suddenly, you don't even know who this kid is anymore. They change the way they look, the way they dress, the way they style, the way they talk, the way they think, the way they act, the way, the way, the way. But it's not just teenagers. I see adults like this. So we're not trampling on the teens today. Got a little quiet when I got to number two. Tells me next week we might have to dig a little deeper. But we'll move on for sake of time today. Everybody say, Phew. all right. So then, in contrast to that, number three is the amount of time given to those who deserve it must be increased. The amount of time you give to people that deserve it must be increased in 2022. You know, look around you to the people that nurture you, the people that help you, the people that actually love you and actually want the best for you. Those are the people you need to nurture those relationships. Do not take them for granted. Don't take, drop them a line. Say thank you on an occasion. Send them a text. Take them out to lunch. Do something to acknowledge, hey, I want you to know you are really a blessing in my life. So critical. So important. Do I have scripture? Well, you know I have scripture. Galatians 6.10, New Living Translation says, therefore, whenever, everyone say whenever. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, but especially to those in the family of faith. So we should always try to be as fair and as good as we can to just everyone, but we should go the extra mile for people of faith, especially then we would say people that are in our lives that increase our faith. That, that, that you know, you know, some people when they walk in the room, you feel better when they walk in. They don't even have to do anything. You see them walk in, you're like, you kind of go, and there are some people walking in and you go, you know, you may not say it, but you're thinking, oh my God. And you're already thinking of an escape plan. Can I do fake a call? Can I text somebody and say, oh, I gotta, I'm so sorry, gotta go. Now don't, don't, don't act like you haven't done that. Remember, we're in the house of God this morning. We're trying to clean our life out a little. So let's go ahead and get clean this morning. Don't be that person that nobody wants to be around. Don't be that person that comes, you know, with a wet blanket to throw on everybody else's life. Amen. 
well, it's just my personality. We're not talking about personality here. We're talking about what the Bible tells you to do. He didn't say do this only if you're a sanguine, only if you're an extrovert. No, he told us all to do it. Well, I'm pragmatic. Okay, well, that's wonderful, but be pragmatically nice. Right? Don't you love the Lord? Praise God, hallelujah, you think Jesus say amen. Uh, so spend time with encouragers. Don't you love to be around people that encourage you? They tell you, man, you know what? I believe you got it in you. I believe you can do this. Oh, come on, man. You, you know, come on. You, girl, you can get up from this. Girl, you're going to make it. Don't you, don't you love those kind of people? Spend time with wise people. I love going to the nursing homes. I've always loved it. I've always loved it. I've always loved it. I'll go probably till my last day on the planet. And, and it's been hard for me the last couple of years because they've had to be very cautious, understandably, about letting a lot of people into the nursing homes. It's very understandable. And I've had to back off and be like, man, that's really hard for me because I really want to be there. But uh, just being around people that are sage and people that have some wisdom and have some experience and listening to their lives. And it's amazing. They can tell you some little story from their childhood and in the middle of it will be a nugget if you're listening. There'll be a nugget in there. So I'm like, wow, that really did, I really saw something there. Amen. How about spending time with people, as I said earlier, who actually love you? Don't you, be, don't you love to be around people who love you? I mean, it's just great to be around people that actually love you, that don't love you to your face only. There's a lot of those, love you, love you. You can almost feel a hand back here. What they're actually saying, I love you unless, or I love you until. You don't do what I want you to do. You didn't say what I wanted you to say. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And then I don't love you anymore. We fall too easily in love with the wrong people and too easily out of love with the right people. Oh, I've never said that in my life. So I'm gonna, I think I'm going to say it again because I want to hear it. Let me make sure I can remember what I said. We fall too easily in love with the wrong people and too easily out of love with the right people. Can I get an amen in the house of God? Okay, it's not in my notes, but that's why we need the great Holy Spirit to help us preach. Amen. And then this is a really good one. Spend time with people who are doing what you want to do. Learn from them. Hang around people that are already doing something that you really want to do. And, and, and you say, man, I, I want to hang around them because I'll learn what I'm doing. The, the hardest part about growing up without a father is I didn't know how to be, as I've told you many times, I didn't know how to be a man. I didn't know what a man looked like because I didn't have one. In my, my, my father wasn't that example. My brother who was older was really not that example. And so I was raised by basically my mother and my sister. And, uh, and so I didn't know. And I, and I told you this. Some, I know this is so simplistic. I get it. I get it that it's totally simplistic. But I remember when I got to be maybe 10 or 11 or 12 because we didn't, <laughs> we didn't hang in social clubs, y'all. I mean, we, we, you know, we, we, you hung out with your cousins who hung out with their cousins who hung out with their cousins. We were all poor and we didn't have any stature. And so we didn't know how to act. I'm just going to try to tell you we are heathens. But when you finally get in the middle of somebody that's a little bit professional, and I would notice they would stand there like this. With the, the man was standing there with the, one foot a little bit forward with his hand in his pocket. I thought, hmm, all right. So then as a little boy, I'd go and I'd go. Because I thought, you know, hey, that's a man. That's what a man does. Real man stands there with a nice stature and he puts his hand in his pocket. Praise God. But, you know, it's important when you're trying to learn something that you hang around people that already are doing it and they can help you a lot. And sometimes observation is all you need. You know, you can't be like a little bit, heck, can I, heck, can I, heck, can I, heck, can I. You know, some people can't, well, I, the problem in the body is Christ is there's not enough mentors. Well, no, the problem in the, body of, problem in the body of Christ is not enough people that are willing to follow and follow and follow until they get what they need. Elijah told Elisha, don't you come with me, don't you follow me. Now I know if you can see me when I go, you get my cloak and you get the double anointing, but don't you, I'm going over here and don't you come. And Elisha's like, I don't care what he says, I'm going where he goes. So the impetus was not on the one at the top, it was on the one following. And I've had people criticize people say, well, there's just not enough mentors in the body of Christ. No, there's not enough people hungry enough to be mentored. 
That's the problem. Well, haven't we had fun today? I'm going to smile so everybody will feel better for a minute. We're almost done. Uh, number four, mistakes of 2021 cannot be excused. I put on here, it's time for us to man up. Quit making excuses for things that you know that you created. When you do that, God will say, now that you know that, I can help you with this. And I'll even send a few people and we're going to get you out and through this. Quit making excuses. Number five, this is a really important one. So, S-O-W, not S-E-W, S-O-W, so more than ever. I'm not talking about just sowing money here. You think, well, of course the preacher's going to say that. No, so time, so love, so to your marriage, so to your employer, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. The reason we have 39 years of marriage, about to be 40 here, uh, this year now I can say, in October the 15th, the reason we have that and the reason it is a good marriage and it's always been a good marriage is because I learned a long time ago, Pastor Ginger was already good at this, but I learned how to sow into my marriage all the time. I constantly sow into the marriage. Every day I try to find some way to make her life better. When I do that, I'm sowing. Amen. Amen. And there's the, the, the rule of the Bible is when you sow, you what? You reap. But what do you reap? You reap what you sow. So if you sow good and love and peace and strength and life, then, then for the most part, there may be that one abstract person out here. We know they're always out there. But for the most part, that's what you're going to get. Can you shout amen? Uh, 2 Corinthians 9 10 from the Amplified Classic says, And God who provides seed for the sower. Say, God provides it. Who does he provide seed for? Okay, that's really important. God doesn't give seed to everyone. Well, I'm waiting for God to give to me. Okay, wait a minute. God provides seed for the sower, not for the one who pads their pockets, doesn't think about anybody else, doesn't care about anybody else's needs, doesn't support the house of God, doesn't support the work of the ministry. No, God provides seed for the sower, and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources, it says, for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So he, he basically says this, uh, that the more that you sow, when God gives you the seed and you sow it, God said he'll increase it and you'll have so much that you won't ever have to worry about whether you'll have some for yourself. There'll always be some for yourself. As long as you keep sowing, you'll never run out. I purpose in 2022 before Almighty God in front of all these witnesses and people online that we are going to be greater sowers in 2022 than we were in 2021. Now, I, 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 be, I know I'm, I, I have to tell you, and it, it's the only way I can give you examples, that's going to be a big challenge. No, not, not bragging, but we are big, big sowers. We give heartily to this church, heartily to this ministry, but we give a whole lot more than what we just give here. We sow everywhere we go because we've decided we are sowers. Somebody asked me, what are you? Well, I'm a human being. Thank God I know who I am. I'm a male. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a Christian. And I'm a sower. It's as part of me as anything else. It's not what I do. It's who I am. I am a sower. Once you take on that identity, sowing becomes so easy. You don't think about being stingy. You don't think about counting your, you know, your beans three times. No, you say, you know what? We're just going to go. We're sowing. We're sowing. Don't worry about it. We're sowing. We, um, how should I say this, Lord? We added some family members this year, as you all know, and we, we were with them over the holidays, and we decided we were going to go all out for Christmas for them. And they're not, they're not poor people either, but we, it was our first year to, to be Christmas with them as family. So we just, man, we just, we just went for it. I mean, we have so many packages coming to our house, man. There were, every day Amazon was there, man. It was like, and we were so excited when we got, and we wrapped all that stuff and, and we took it over there. And, and when they were unwrapping it, there was tears and cheers and we were hugging and laughing. And it was so beautiful to see the expressions on their face. And they got a little concerned. They said, you've done too much. You've gone too far. And this has cost you too. I said, don't, we're not even, we don't even think about, it. we don't think like that. Amen. I said, we don't even think like that. We got home yesterday and opened up our mail and had a check that more than covered what we had spent on them. In the mail. Now, I'm just telling you the truth. 
sow, sow, be a sower, be a sower. Number six, we're almost there. The house of God for 2022 must be a, a priority. Now, church attendance has taken a hit because of COVID. There's been so many different things that have come out through it and I understand some of them and I've understood some of the times when we had to be separate and separated, but you just can't be that way forever. At some point, you've got to say, we have to live and we have to go to church and we have to trust God and we have to believe God. We have to believe the Bible and we're going to leave the rest of it to God and we hope and pray to God that none of us checks out early, but if we do, after all, to live as Christ and die as gain and, and I'm not going to sit home and be away from the house of God because there are things that God says in his house that you will never hear him say at home. Even if you listen to this broadcast, there's something about the Spirit of God moving when God's people are in the same room. There's something about the room being full. And so I say that with, a, and I say that with, with some gravity, really, and, and some caution. Because these are kind of weird times when you know there's a pandemic and you know there's people out there. And there you, we all know people that have died. So we get all of that. We really do. We're not foolish here. But at the same time, you have to make the house of God needs to be a priority. How many of you have a job? How many of you uh, that have a job uh, have this attitude? Nah, I'll go to work if I want to, but if I don't want to, I just I won't go a few days. I'm just not going to keep going. Why, did, why is it that you go to work on a regular basis? Because it's a priority. It's a priority. You believe that that's a resource and a source that you have to have to maintain your life so you go to work, but you have to get that attitude about the house of God. I have to go to the house of God. This is not negotiable here. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not looking for a way not to come. I had a kid with a sniffle or, you know, I got a little tired and I had to cut the grass today. Okay, those are all, but you know what? We all have all that. Now, don't shut me down now. I'm trying to get done so we can all pray and go to lunch. Won't that be nice? Listen to this. At least 10 times in the Gospels, we can find Jesus in church. Who? Jesus. Ten times in the Gospels, we can find the Son of God in church. He even told his mom and dad when he was 12. He was 12 years old and he'd already figured it out. And they had been on a journey and been in the city where the synagogue and the church was and they had left and they were, they were in a caravan. So for a little while, they didn't notice he wasn't with them and then they found out he wasn't. And when they found out he was back, he said, wait a minute, I must be about my father's business. Churches cannot be optional. Has to, in here, God speaks to you. He quickens things. He reminds you of things. He, he reveals things. He encourages you. He strengthens you. If you've gone through a storm, he, he puts his arms around you and holds you and reminds you that, that you're going to get through. And by the way, here's a, here's a great little word for you too. Faith is the storm stopper. Faith is the storm stopper. But faith only comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how can they hear unless they have a... Okay, we covered that earlier. Finally, number seven. Are you okay? Did we make it okay? You're all right? All right, number seven. In 2022, our consecration to God must be increased. What does the word consecrate mean? It's kind of a weird word. We don't use that every day in our vocabulary. Consecrate, what does that mean? Uh, well, Joshua 3 and 5, it was, they use the word sanctify there. It's the same word, consecrate. Consecrate means to purposely set apart for the express use and design of something or to someone. To purposely set apart for the express use and design of something or someone. In other words, but notice what God, God is about, about to do something big for the people. But he said, before I can do it, you're going to have to consecrate. You're going to have to set yourself apart. You're going to have to set yourself apart from some of these other things. You're going to have, you, everyone say, I'm going to have to do it. I can't do your consecration. I can't do your consecration. There's a lot of things I can do for you as a pastor. I can't do your consecration. He said, consecrate yourselves. Now listen to the scripture. If you don't think this is important, listen to the scripture. Joshua 3 and 5. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify or consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. How many of you want God to do some wonders among you? But notice what he said. He said, now God's got a plan for tomorrow and he's going to do wonders among you. But before it happens, you're going to have to consecrate yourself. You're going to have to set yourself apart 
Maybe from some of, as we mentioned earlier, maybe some relationships, maybe some things, I don't know. But you're going to have to set yourself apart. But he said, tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, they all knew about the parting of the Red Sea. You know, the division hadn't happened yet where they'd all died out, that generation. And, and they'd all seen the parting of the Red Sea. They didn't think they'd ever see anything like it again. But in a little while, they were about to see the Jordan River get parted the same way. And now Moses was dead and gone, but God was about to do it with Joshua just to show him, hey, listen, a man can be here, but I'm still God. Amen. See, men rise and men fall, but God is still God. Yes, One day I won't be the pastor of this church and I won't be here and I'm okay with that. And I pray that it's, you know, by, by me going out and doing other things in other places, my use being better out there and maybe somebody in here is used being better, but whatever way it works, whatever way it works, but that's okay because Jesus is Lord of Faith Outreach, not Pastor William. I am not Lord of Faith Outreach. <laughs> I am and he's the great shepherd and I'm the under shepherd. God is ready to do some big things this year. How many of you are ready to see him do it? I am so ready. I'm so excited. I am getting ready for this like I've never gotten ready for a year in my life. I'm going to be praying like I've never prayed. I'm going to be believing like I've never believed. I'm going to be asking God to do things in your life like I've never done before. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again. Thank you.